If you went and sat in the boardroom of some of these public entities, they're, they're challenged, right? The labor force is, uh, is causing a real uh, pickle for them. They've, they've got the same problems on their side of the fence that the construction guys have on their side of the fence. A lot of the uh, intellectual property and the older generation are passing things down at a rapid rate and retiring at a rapid rate, and the transfer of knowledge is not... It's not happening, and, and you have two demographics, really, one that speaks in pen and paper and, and another one that's like, give me a computer, social media, and a phone, and I'll make it work. So you have a demographic issue and you have a technology gap, and if both sides don't work together to figure that out, you've got a disaster on your hands. And I think that a lot of these purchasing changes are predicated because of that point. The owners are going through it, the design community is going through it, and the construction community is going through it. My view, the only way to make this come back together is you take all three of us and you put us in a room and you say, okay, let's do what's best for the project here. Hello, and welcome to Inside Construction, a podcast from the British Columbia Construction Association. I'm your host, Chris Atchison, and I'm also the president of BCCA. We're working for the productivity and resilience of BC's industrial, commercial, and institutional construction sector. We represent all employers, regardless of labor affiliation. We're bringing you this podcast series as part of our advocacy work, seeking to highlight the key issues affecting employers in BC's construction industry. We'll meet British Columbians who are affected by these issues, professionally and personally. With their help, we'll shed some light on what's working, what isn't, and how private and public sector stakeholders can come together to ensure BC's industry has what it needs to get the job done on time, on budget, and with the world-class outcomes we all expect. Today, we're talking about the procurement of construction services by public owners. We're highlighting this topic because the trusted standards of the past those that ensure a fair, open, and transparent solicitation process continue to erode. Only a decade ago, subjectivity was unheard of, but today it's all too common. This adds up to unnecessary risk for all parties, from owners to contractors. More risk reduces the bidding pool and leads to a greater likelihood of disputes and legal issues, as well as added costs and time delays. This is bad for everyone, including the British Columbians who pay the taxes that fund the projects. My name is Katie Fairley. I'm the principal consultant with Fairley Strategies, looking at ways to mitigate risk for public and private sector owners around project delivery, contracts, and procurement. My new line now is that I am a recovering general contractor, having spent eight years working for a GC. Katie quickly noticed that the choice of procurement method and the quality of its application was crucial to the success of any public project. She shared a scenario with me which she believes stands out as the perfect example of how the system is broken. I think one you know, really good example that will probably stand out for me, maybe for the rest of my life slash career, was an owner that put out a request for proposals you know, to the market um, and had indicated in their document, you know, the drawings are, are ready to go. You know, we need the construction manager to come in to help with logistics. But, you know, in a month's time, you're going to be on site. You're going to be building. We need your superintendent ready. Well, you know, very first kickoff meeting, 
turns out the drawings are three months away from completion. There's been no conversation at all with the, the local um, you know, authorities having jurisdiction. And that superintendent has nothing to do for three months and won't be getting paid. You know, a scenario like that is, is you know, what I call market abuse. As a proponent, as a bidder, um, you know, and just in general, the market, you know, you, we can't prepare for that. We can't plan for that. We don't know. We can only go after a project based on the information that an owner presents to us. So in that scenario, I think, I, I, you know, a, a disappointment that an owner didn't didn't take that time. And so then... What do you feel is the, you know, is the root cause of the problems that exist with procurement today? I think it really comes down to fear. Um, I think, I think fear probably encapsulates all of it. So whether it's newer procurement or purchasing or project managers on the owner's side, maybe not understanding best practices, um, you know, and the impact that their choices can have to their relationship um, over the course of the project. Um, I think that that comes back to, you know, fear of making a mistake, fear of looking, of looking stupid, fear of asking a question and people realizing that, you know, yes, you're an expert in managing a project on behalf of a public sector owner, but you're not an expert on procurement. So I think, I think so many of the decisions that people make is driven, is driven by fear. I think that's for me, maybe the biggest thing I see that I can drill down the farthest. Procurement is so important because it's the DNA for the whole project. A professional procurement process provides the genetic code that the owners and designers, the contractors and suppliers work from. If that DNA is faulty, the health of the project is compromised even before the ground is broken. The cornerstone of a good procurement process in the public sector is that it be fair, open and transparent. There can be no room for subjectivity. There are standard documents available, CCDC documents, for procurement managers to use to ensure the integrity of their process and reduce risk for all involved. There are acknowledged best practices that are well known and have been developed over many years. The problem is that these best practices aren't being used or they're being iterated and hacked, for example, by the addition of extensive supplemental conditions. New delivery methods are appearing they seek to enhance collaboration, but don't follow the established guardrails and instead push risk down the food chain from the owners to the contractors. These shifts are largely happening because the procurement experts are retiring and their successors often don't have the experience and knowledge. So we're seeing a fundamental shift in the accountability of public owners who increasingly believe their right to choose a proponent on their terms outweighs the need for fair, open and transparent procurement practices. My name is Anthony Minetti. I'm uh, a VP of uh, construction for Century Group. We're a general contracting company based in uh, Victoria. However, we work across the country and we have a branch office also in Toronto. In his role, Anthony is responsible for finding the right project opportunities in BC for his company and bidding on them. He points out there are a lot of nuances and every project is different. Every team is different. I think that all school districts are under um, a lot of, let's call it stress or pressure to deliver their projects as their funding comes in. And the challenges are is that every school district tends to use a different 
platform to find the opportunity. And then also this, the opportunities are delivered in a plethora of ways. So you see them being delivered as um, construction manager, construction manager at risk, construction manager not at risk, uh, lump sum, a bit of, of maybe within the haste of trying to deliver projects, people aren't finding the right avenue for the right contract for the right project. And I think it's a lost opportunity, both for the owner, for the consultants and for the contractors, because it doesn't always really manage the risk in the right way. What happens or tends to happen is that uh, an owner uh, decides that, oh, now now's the time to undertake this project. We're ready to go. And everybody pe- speeds through the process of getting the documents ready and, to, and what we'd say to market, which means would go out to the uh, general contractors and subtrades to bid. And because the time gets crunched, the documents have very little ability to be coordinated and reviewed. It's not at the direct result only of uh, consultants, but I'm trying to say that the owners have a contributing factor of of uh, funding drawings and, and consultants so that their projects have the opportunity to be complete. What what advice would you give to newcomers to the industry, new contractors who are following in your footsteps on how they approach uh, procurement today? I would say participate in your trade organization or your trade association. Don't go it alone, you know, participate, share advice. At the same time, as you're getting advice and and hearing from other contractors and designers and, and such, being open to sharing Um, what you've learned. The last person you'll meet today is Warren Perks, VP of Industry Standards with the BC Construction Association. He's been with the BCCA for 25 years and is a recognized expert across our industry for his expertise in public procurement. Uh, Well, I have two roles. My first role on the standard practices side is I manage the association's standard practice initiatives. And I'm also a provincial administrator for the Bid Central online bidding for subcontractors. Warren says a fair, open, and transparent procurement process is a thing of the past, and he's disappointed. My belief is that owners have been challenged because of uh, under procurement delivery models or construction delivery models, they have been faced with cost overruns. And so they're they're looking for ways to try to control the costs. So they're looking to different ways of delivering the projects where the contractors are involved uh, during the design phase of construction to help ensure that uh, they're not faced with these cost overruns. But one of the things is that uh, this could perhaps be a more of a personal opinion, but I think I'd find people out there that agree with me that we started down this road because of the quality of of construction documents. At Canadian Construction Association, the national organization for the industry, it's one of the number one issues is the quality of documents. And because documents uh, are, you know, are questionably complete, it's creating situations where contractors are making claims for extra work. 
So this is putting increasing pressure on the costs of the project, but is poor procurement also impacting the number of bidders that are interested on projects? Well, I believe so, yes, because I think that when you get to subjectivity uh, in a bid evaluation process, people are going to look at those projects quite hard before they decide they're going to spend the time on them. And I think as a result of this, what's ended up happening is that contractors have developed niches. So you'll find that there's certain contractors that are working in the healthcare sector, and you'll find that there's certain contractors that are working in the social housing sector because they understand the rules of playing uh, the game, so to speak, of, of those uh, solicitation processes. And so, you know, there's a reduced number of people in the marketplace. And I think that going forward, as we uh, become more and more resource challenged in our industry, that's going to be even a bigger problem. So in an ideal world, what would the public procurement process look like? And can you walk us through it step by step? I think that the industry has become to accept the fact that qualification of contractors is a consideration in the valuation of bids. There, there was a time when there's, that's something we wouldn't accept, but I think we're there now. And so I think what we need in order to try to make these processes as, or the least subjective as possible, is it needs to be a qualification first, where you put the contractors through an evaluation to qualify them to bid on the project. And then once they've all been through the qualification process, you then go into a procurement process where you consider uh, prices, perhaps fees, and schedule. So that is the most transparent way to do it in this current marketplace. So what's at stake for contractors when it's only a request for proposals that's issued? There is the situation where they uh, are being evaluated at the time that they're submitting their price. So they have done a lot of work uh, to put together a price and uh, their subjective considerations. And I do believe that people who are actually running these processes, these RFPs, don't completely understand that they're dealing with people's livelihoods. You know, to try to make the process as fair as possible is important. We're hearing from across industry that the public sector procurement system is broken when it comes to construction services, and that's hurting everyone. The best practices that are falling by the wayside need to come back. We need to use the expertise and the resources that we have. Owners who develop a reputation for good procurement practices will attract the best contractors and reduce the likelihood of risk, delay, and litigation on their projects. That's an important point. Because as competition for contractors increases, owners with the best reputation will attract the bids. The others won't. Let's close out this episode by bringing back Jason Page, who you heard from at the top of this episode. I can sum it up pretty easily as you just cut the red tape, uh, make it a lot smoother, a lot faster. And we don't mind getting a no when we compete. And at the end of the day, it's not our organization that comes in. We pride ourselves on winning. We're always in the top three and all those types of things, but we want to know sooner. 
quit kicking rocks and dragging knuckles. Let's let's figure it out. And a no is okay because that allows us to take our resources, move, and go do something else. Construction is on an upswing like we, we haven't seen in decades. So um, the longer that they process, the less interested organizations like ours are going to be interested in. And ultimately, what's the risk to British Columbia if we continue on the path we're on? I'll start by segmenting the market because there's different purchasing strategies for all different levels. So there's the lower level, the middle level, and the upper level. Uh, I consider our organization a middle market player. We're above 20 million in annual sales and you know well over 100 people. So we fit in that sector. And much like the public purchasing uh, strategies, there's always a lower market strategy, a middle market strategy, and an upper market strategy. The upper market's obviously in the P3s and looking for investment dollars and partnerships. And in the middle market, they're looking really for intellectual property. They're looking for competent people that are bondable and they can actually perform the work and they have some recourse if they don't do it. And the lower market is made up of, you know, your mom and pop shops that, you know, have a couple of excavators or a couple of carpenters with hammers and, and that kind of thing. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a push towards that upper market. You're going to start to see our industry, and it's already happening now. If you look around, there is a, a massive transfer of organizations to the younger generation who are now taking it over. And they have a different way of doing business. And I think ultimately what will happen is the the public sector is going to be left with who they're trying to keep out at times because the guys that are serious about doing business and know that they can use their minds and their horsepower and their intellectual property and their experience to drive business and be successful, they're going to go to those areas where it's valued and it'll come full circle on them. And then instead of having 11, they're going to have two bidders. Is there reluctance? Absolutely. We're an old industry who does things a certain way. And like every human being out there, no one likes change. And it gets forced upon you when the environment tells you you have to do something because it's not working anymore and you get tired of banging your head off the cement wall. And I think that that's where our industry has got to, is to that wall where they're like, this isn't working. We have to find something else that does work. And that's, I think, why you're seeing all these construction management and IPD and negotiated RFPs and pre-qualification, you know, that whole market changed because the environment forced that change. And unless you have some leadership that says, hey, this is fundamentally not working for the projects and for our owners, how do we come together to make sure that ultimately in, in the public world, the taxpayers are being represented fairly and adequately and in a construction for-profit world that we're not getting ground down to nothing so we can't afford to pay our staff and we end up turning people over and there's challenges on the job and all those, we can't buy good equipment and all of those types of things. So I think the only real path forward is, is leadership aligning and seeing the same future and, and leveraging technology to make sure that we're all in one platform. The rise of subjectivity in construction procurement is a blight on our sector that adds unnecessary risk for all parties. It's not too late to fix what ails us, but first we need to admit that we have a problem, and industry knows it. We're vocal about it, and I admit that there are some public owners who are darn sick of hearing from us about it. If you're a public sector owner who wants to review or improve your procurement practices, contact your regional construction association and get started. Access the CCDC documents and user guides. Listen to the advice that's out there for you and let fair, open and transparent be your guide. Visit the BC Construction Association website to see our procurement policies or access our reports on this issue. 
Use Bobs, our Bid Central online bidding for subtrades platform on your projects. Construction lawyers have told us that they hate it because it's putting them out of business. If you're a contractor who is seeing bad practices or suffering because of them, contact your regional construction association for help. You can find all the links you need on our website, bccassn.com. Thank you for listening and tune in again to get inside construction.